You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Vinson. Lord, we love you and thank you uh, just for the work that you're doing around the world uh, with people that we're connected with. Uh, We thank you that we get to partner with them uh, in that. Uh, Father, we thank you for providing for us financially so that we can give and help support them in their efforts. Um, Lord, we pray that you would continue to be with the McMurray family as they adjust uh, to new life in Nepal. Uh, So many questions that they're still being faced with, just getting settled in. And uh, Lord, as the kids are adjusting, um, as Kevin's adjusting to his new job responsibilities, Lord, just help them to continue to trust in you. I pray that you would strengthen their family in ways that only you can. Um, Lord, I pray that you would allow them to even see uh, some fruit here very soon that would confirm to them uh, that they're that they're in the right place, doing the right thing at the right time. Um, Lord, we pray that you would continue to be with uh, Stephen and Jennifer and their family. Lord, we thank you for their faithful service in the Czech Republic. We thank you for uh, the ways that you're working and moving and Uh, Lord, we pray that you would um, just continue to strengthen them, keep them encouraged, keep them safe in the midst of this outbreak there. Um, Lord, I pray that um, their efforts would continue to go forth and um, the gospel would continue to um, penetrate the hearts of those in in their community. Um, Lord, we're um, in a time where gathering is being discouraged, um, but God, we're thankful that it's when we scatter that the gospel um, is able to go forth. And so, um, Lord, I pray that as we are scattering even ourselves, that we would be mindful uh, of people that we're coming in contact with that we can take the gospel to. Um, Lord, we pray for those at Snowbird, again, as they are navigating through this. Um, Lord, I pray that you would keep them encouraged, give them wisdom in the decisions that they have to make as well. And uh, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, hopefully everything's still working well, and we're going to push forward here with a little bit of discussion about John before we wrap up our first ever live cast service. So uh, if you've got your Bibles, turn to John chapter 16. Um, over the past seven, eight weeks, I guess, since our last application Sunday, we have been working through um, these three chapters. And so I want us to uh, quickly uh, look at just some summary sentences from those weeks and um, remind you of some things that we talked about. And then give you, like we did last time, kind of a new format I guess I chose, is that I'm going to try to give you four things to remember and then four things to do in response to those things to remember. And so um, would still love for you to connect on the realm and share some of the truths that have really stood out to you, ways that it's impacting how you're even thinking through and processing events that are taking place in our world right now. Um, And then also post questions that, that you still have. Um, and, and would love for you to even go back and do some personal meditation on those three chapters and, and even challenge yourself to, to post some summary sentences yourself uh, for how you will remember chapter 16, chapter 17, and chapter 18. So it was about seven weeks ago, I guess, that we looked at John chapter 16, verses 5 through 14. We titled that Sorrowful Advantages. Um, our summary sentence was, Jesus reminds us that when sorrow comes, There is always something advantageous happening in the midst of it, which encourages us to look for how Jesus is at work and trust that he will be effective because of the Holy Spirit. I don't know that I could think of a better statement to make in light of everything that's going on right now um, that's even necessitating us meet in this format today, that um, when, when difficult times come, when sorrowful times come, when confusing times come, there's always something advantageous happening in the midst of it. And we're encouraged to look for it 
see what Jesus is doing and trust that whatever it is he's wanting to do will be effective because of the Holy Spirit. So looking at John chapter 16, verse 5, um, says, I did not say these things... Um, Make sure yeah. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I did not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they did not believe in me, Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. I challenged you in this sermon to make sure that you're asking the right questions when difficult times come. That what we need to focus on in our sorrow is what Jesus is seeking to do and not so much the comfort level of of what we're experiencing. Right? And so I think that's totally appropriate in the midst of what we're dealing with. In our, in our world, in our country, in our immediate community right now, that we pause and we stop and we think for a second, right? I saw a, a friend on Facebook uh, posted something that said, you know, uh, something about the Lord has changed our schedules. He has slowed our pace. Now it's appropriate to ask, what is he trying to tell us? Um, what, what message can we hear in the midst of everything being changed, right? Probably nobody's week coming up is going to look like you thought it was just a week ago, right? I know for me, I'm at home for the next two weeks at least from school. And so that's that's completely changing the way that we're having to approach education right now. Um, what, what does God want us to do in the midst of this changing of schedules, changing of focus, changing of pace? For some of us, we're going to spend a lot more time at home than we, we would normally get to. Uh, we're going to, get to spend more time with our spouses or our kids. Um, what, what can be accomplished during that time? What, what is God maybe wanting to do uh, in your life as a result of some of this? And, and then what is God wanting to do maybe in our community in, in light of some of this too? Um, so just want you to, 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 to challenge yourself to make sure that you're asking the right questions. Um, not so much about uh, what is COVID-19 and how long is it going to be here and when can we get back to our normal stuff, but maybe just pausing and saying, what does God want to teach me in the midst of this? And and what are some things that I get to do uh, differently because I'm being forced to do them differently? So make sure you're asking the right questions during this time. Uh, Anticipate possible advantages when sorrow comes. Um, Jesus is telling us here that the things that cause sorrow also create advantages in our life as well, right? For the disciples, the, the sorrow was that Jesus was going away. The advantage is that the Holy Spirit was coming, right? And so there's, there's obviously some disadvantages and some sorrow maybe in the midst of what's going to take place this week and maybe in weeks to come. Um, 
But what advantages are going to be there? You know, what opportunities are going to be there? Uh, who are the people that we're going to connect with in the coming weeks that, that our schedules normally would not have allowed us to? Um, so ask the right questions. Anticipate possible advantages when sorrow comes. And then the, the third point we made that, that week was accept need for delayed answers when sorrow comes. Jesus says, I'm telling you things, I'm giving you answers, but there's things that I'm not going to tell you just yet because you can't handle it, right? And that's so hard for us because I'm the type of person, I want to know when we're going back to school. I want to know uh, if we're getting spring break or not. I want to know if we're having summer break or not, right? Like, I want to know if we're going to be able to pay our teachers the entire time. Um, these are questions that I'm asking that I don't have answers to right now. Um, and I need to trust that God's going to give us the answers um, when we are capable of handling those answers. Um, and I want to remind you of that truth, too, that, that God is very strategic in the information that he gives to us. And so application-wise, we talked about who are the people you'll turn to when sorrow strikes and you're struggling to see the advantages. Again, what an appropriate application question for us to be asking ourselves right now in the midst of everything happening. Who are the people in our church and maybe even outside of our church that you are going to turn to in moments of anxiety, in moments of worry, in moments of frustration, in moments of anger? Who are the people that you can turn to to help bring you back to this right perspective of asking the right questions, looking for advantages in the midst of this, um, being content and okay when you don't have those answers, okay? Um, man, I feel like we, I'd love to preach that sermon again right now, I feel like, because I feel like it's so timely in, in what we're dealing with. But we'll move on. John chapter 16, verses 15 through 33, from sorrow to joy. Uh, we looked at this um, about six weeks ago, I guess. It says, Jesus promises that joy rooted in his return can be found even in the midst of sorrow, is exempt from being stolen by the circumstances of this world, and can be increased to the fullest through answered prayer. So, uh, again, the focus that week was hanging on to our joy, making sure our joy is rooted not in ever-changing circumstances, right? Uh, but instead rooted in the fact that Jesus is coming back. And what a joy to think about the fact that there is coming a day where sickness and viruses um, and, and the threat that they bring to our livelihood will be completely done away with. Um, it, it's encouraging to think that our joy can rest in that and not in how this all gets worked out. Um, and that we can pray for those things, right? We said that uh, sorrow is temporary. This, this too, this situation that we're in is going to pass. It's temporary. Um, even if Jesus has to come back to put an end to it, it's temporary. Uh, we persevere in the midst of this because it's forgettable. Um, it, it's going to pale in comparison to the joys that we experience when Jesus does come back. Uh, we find our lasting joy in the coming of Christ and that we pray intentionally to increase our joy as we wait, anticipating that uh, we're going to fail at times. We're going to fail in our faith. There's going to be bumps and struggles along the way where we don't demonstrate faith like we should, uh, but we can expect victory because of the Holy Spirit. And so I challenge you that week to seek to pray prayers that are focused on his mission rather than your comfort, right? It's tempting to pray and maybe not completely unhealthy to pray that God will just put an end to this so that we can get back to work, so that we can get back to doing things that we've always been doing. But let's not miss the fact that we also want to pray that God will accomplish whatever it is he's wanting to accomplish in causing the world to slow down 
and to pause and to have to reflect on some things. Let's pray that God is, is faithful and successful as we know he will be in the midst of this. So looking at uh, verse 15 in uh, John chapter 16. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. A little while, and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. And because I am going to the Father. So they were saying, What does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he said to him, to them, Is this what you were asking yourselves? What I meant by saying a little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. When she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now. But I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. That that promise assurance to us that we can pray and ask for this unwavering joy, and it will be granted to us. I've said these things to you for in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, Ah, now you're speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Man, that's a reminder to us that we're meeting right now, we're talking about things that we're all affirming, right? We, we believe these things. But it doesn't mean that when this week starts to unfold that some of us won't fall prey to anxiety and troubled hearts and worry. Just like the disciples because they're saying, hey, we believe. And Jesus is like, do you? Because in just a few uh, hours, you're going to abandon me and you're going to run away. Um, The reminder to us is that Jesus knows those things. He knows that some of us are going to falter a little bit this week. It's important that we turn to others to find that reassurance when when our minds start to shift and we're not trusting like we should. Um, The encouragement is that we overcome this. Um, Just like Jesus overcame the world, he has given us assurance that we too will be conquerors. We too will be overcomers uh, because his Holy Spirit indwells us. And so uh, let me encourage you. This This is testing ground for us, right? We said that John is all about us learning how to decrease the amount of time that it takes for us to turn to Jesus and trust him when difficult times come. Uh, what, what better time now for us to put those things that we're learning to the test that we're going to be challenged um, as to whether or not we believe Jesus. People are going to be looking to us to see if we really believe Jesus. Um, and so this is a great opportunity for us to pause and say that we do. 
and, and to turn to him and to trust him very quickly in the midst of these ever-changing circumstances. All right, uh, John chapter 17, verses 1 through 5 is where we started our high priestly prayer discussion. It says, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life that you know you, that we, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you've gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. We said as Jesus prepared for the cross, his chief concern was how to bring God glory through it, leaving us an example that our chief concern each day must also be how we will bring God glory with work we are called to do. And so, uh, again, a, a timely opportunity for us to demonstrate this, um, that God's glory is to be our concern in the midst of this pandemic, um, that we get to celebrate God's goodness and we get to allow lost people into that celebration for them to look to us because this is the kind of time where people look to people of faith for answers, right? I remember when 9-11 hit, uh, people that were never frequenting the church, never wanting to have spiritual discussions, all of a sudden became very sensitive to those things. Um, obviously, we, we're praying that this whole thing will end very soon, um, but as it lingers, as it continues, I believe that hearts can be softened to dialoguing about things that previously they wouldn't have. Um, and so let us use this as an opportunity to celebrate God's goodness. Let us not be uh, the type of people who fall prey to the exact same thing that a lost person is struggling with. Uh, let us rise above that. Let us be the type of people who point others to God's goodness so that they can see him and potentially believe in him. Uh, we talked about um, some truths about the resurrection that we see in this chapter, that the timing was determined by God alone. The goal was the glory of God through the glory of the Son. The result would be the salvation of mankind. And so we talked about receiving eternal life by knowing the Father and the Son and then glorifying him by doing the work that's given to us. Uh, we know the work given to us because we read it in the Bible, and then we celebrate God's goodness in all that we do this week. Um, let, let us make sure that we take advantage. Whatever God gives us to do this week, and it may not look like what we thought. Uh, we may have different tasks to do. Um, our jobs are going to look different potentially. Let us do them to the glory of God. John chapter 17, verses 6 through 19, the second part of the high priestly prayer where Jesus is primarily praying for his current disciples, but I told you I believe these truths uh, apply to us as well. It says, I've manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, 
just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Um, we said that God does not uh, God does everything necessary to save us, to keep us saved. And while he does leave us in the world where we are susceptible to attack, he promises to sanctify us so that we can impact the world through our endurance. Um, we believe him. We're saved by responding to the work of God. We trust him that he is going to persevere us, uh, that he's going to do the work necessary so that we do persevere. He prayed for that. He prayed for unity and joy. He prayed that we would be kept. Um, and then there's this, this piece about going uh, because we're still in the world, right? That we are uh, sanctified to make a difference in the world. We don't need to isolate ourselves. We don't need to inoculate ourselves to where we feel like we're immune uh, from this, but that instead we insulate ourselves in the world. Um, and I think that's where we have to even be careful some in the midst of this pandemic too, right? Like I think that application uh, even flows into what we're dealing with right now, that we, we want to be careful that we don't isolate ourselves in such a way where we have zero connection. Now, isolation may look like us eventually having zero physical contact with each other. I don't know. Um, but there's no reason for us not to connect through the technology that God has given to us, right? So this only increases the responsibility that we have to be in touch with each other through phone calls, through text messages, through FaceTiming, through Marco Polo, uh, right? There's all kinds of ways that we can connect with each other and encourage each other um, in the midst of what we're dealing with. And that's true for our lost friends as well, right? We don't have to cut ourselves off and isolate ourselves from those that are in our life. We can still connect, right? We also want to be careful that we don't just inoculate ourselves and think that we're completely immune from, from COVID-19 to where we wouldn't potentially be someone exposed to it, a carrier of it, and a potential exposure to others of it. And so I think we have to be careful in the decisions that we make, too, about how immersed we remain in the world in the midst of this. That healthy balance is the insulation piece, right? Like, we can proceed this week fully trusting that God is protecting us, fully trusting that God's at work around us. We can stay connected uh, in the healthiest ways possible. And at times that may mean getting together in person face-to-face. At other times that may mean sitting in our living rooms and FaceTiming each other and Marco Poloing each other, which is an app if you're not aware of that. It's a, a video app where you can send video messages to each other. Lots of different ways that God has enabled us to stay connected. So let me encourage you to do that, not just with Christian friends, but with lost friends. This could be a great opportunity, again, for those conversations that one would not normally be willing to have. All of a sudden, they're willing to have them as they see things spiraling downward around them. Um, John chapter 17, verse 20, that last piece of the high priestly prayer. Um. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me. 
because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. We said observable unity is evangelistic necessity with our common ground regarding the gospel and our common pursuit to love being the tangible ways that lost world, the lost world understands God sent Jesus because he loves people. Um, and we want that message to go forth from our church, that God sent Jesus and God loves people. And we can communicate that message by pursuing unity. That's pursuing unity with individuals. That's pursuing unity within this church. That's pursuing unity with other churches in this area too. And um, going back to what I said about pausing and, and, and just asking what does God want to do in the midst of slowing us down. To me, this is a great chance for us to pause once again. You know, I challenged you in the midst of teaching that week that we needed to reflect and say, is there any individual, any um, situation that needs to be addressed from a unifying standpoint? Maybe you've offended somebody. Maybe you're offended by somebody <clears throat> and you need to go seek them out or um, work to fix it. We, we may have time to do that now. Um, maybe that's part of God slowing us down. Maybe that's part of how he wants to work in your life in the midst of this uh, countrywide slowdown that um, he wants you to say, you know what, now, now I've got some time to, go to, to either talk to that person over the phone or to sit down with that individual and work through some, some disunity that I've been experiencing. Maybe that's a coworker. Maybe that's, maybe that's a family member. This may provide you the opportunity to do that. So let me encourage you to, to think through that. Um, this may be an opportunity, and we'll talk more about this as we wrap up. This may be an opportunity for us to unite with other churches in the area for how we can serve our community in the midst of this. There may be some unique opportunities that this affords to us to uh, get out of our walls, to join up with other churches in this area, to meet needs together. And we'll talk more about that um, at the end. But let me encourage you to to think back on that unity piece, to make sure that you're being an instrument of unity, both individually in your life, in your family, within this church, in this community, uh, that you're working towards unity and not being a, a, a source of disunity. Last two sermons that we looked at, John chapter 18, verses 1 through 11, is the first piece of John chapter 18, the Garden of Destiny. We saw the events leading up to Jesus' arrest remind us that he is always in control when life is spiraling, always working to grow rather than squelch our faith, always willing to extend grace in our worst moments. And so in John chapter 18, verses 1 through 11, we see that garden scene where when Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. And when Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. 
This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost not one. Then Peter, Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into your sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? We said that at times when we are disoriented, that we can follow God because he is always in control. I love this passage. I'd never studied this passage before. It's always just been a narrative to me. Uh, But to see that spiral review that we talked about in this passage, that he, he, being Jesus, knows exactly where he's going in this passage, right? He goes to a familiar place um, where Judas can find him, right? Um, This this would be, for me, the equivalent, like if I knew somebody was out to get me, the last place I'm going to go on Sunday morning is McDonald's, right? Because... A lot of people know that's where I'm at on Sunday morning. Uh, Jesus goes where Judas knows he will be. And so it shows the confidence of Jesus, the control of Jesus to go to a familiar place. He knows exactly what's going to happen, right? He steps forward knowing by doing so he is uh, submitting himself to crucifixion. Uh, He also knows the why behind it, right? He's not fighting his circumstances. He's not trying to push back in such a way. Um, he tells Peter to put his sword away. We're going to accept this. We're going we're gonna to deal with this because we're trusting that God has uh, advantages and, and God is working in the midst of this. And so it's a great reminder to us of Jesus's perspective. Uh, we also said when doubting, we can hope in God because he's always keeping us saved, right? He's always doing things to grow our faith and not devastate it, right? He protects the disciples from being arrested because they weren't ready for it, um, and so it's a reminder to us that God never brings us into something that our faith won't grow from uh, and it won't be devastated by. He's not looking to ruin us. He's, he's working to build us, right? And so good reminder to us there that uh, circumstances will always grow our faith, not devastate it if we'll allow it. And then when discouraged, we can turn to God because he's always more gracious. Um, we saw the, the picture here of him being obedient in a garden when our... Uh, great-great-great-grandfather Adam was disobedient in the garden. We see God, uh, through Jesus, being obedient for us and then forgiving the worst sins. You know, he forgives Malchus, uh, who was there to arrest Jesus. And so I told you that spiral review, we see God's love, sovereignty, power, grace. We can meditate on those truths, right? And then the last sermon, John chapter 18, verses 12 through 40, trials and denials. The narrative of Jesus' trial reinforces key beliefs about Jesus, specifically his perfection, his wisdom, and sovereign control, giving us great motivation to humbly pursue complete transformation that his truth is capable of producing. And so um, I'm I'm not going to take the time to read this last part because it's a little bit lengthy, um, and and you've got some time. You can do that at home, right? We've all got time, extra time today. Um, So I encourage you to read back through that if you're not uh, familiar with it. But I told you in this passage, we see Jesus's perfection because everybody's trying to catch Jesus. Everybody's bringing him before somebody to find him guilty and and they keep passing them off to each other. They don't want to find him guilty because they can't find him guilty because there's nothing there that he's done to be guilty of. We see him being our sacrifice, that he is willfully submitting to this as the perfect man. He's wise in how he dies, right? He doesn't die by stoning. He doesn't die in isolation. He dies publicly. He dies being lifted up. He dies in a way where he is uh, the better golden serpent in the wilderness, right? And we talked about even the wisdom there of God using an Old Testament passage 
and being very strategic even in how he healed the Old Testament Israelites in that setting, using it to project later what Jesus would be. And so lots of wisdom that's being demonstrated um, in this passage. Um, And then we see his sovereignty as king, right? Jesus talks about his kingdom being a different kind of kingdom. Pilate's questioning him about that. And Jesus says, look, I'm a king, but not one that's a threat to your physicalness, that that I'm I'm a spiritual king, and I'm coming to rule and reign in the hearts of the people. And so uh, application-wise, I challenge you to believe that he saves, believe he forgives, and believe that he guides us uh, from this passage. So in in kind of wrapping up, um, I want to give you four things to remember, four things to do, and then I'm going to give you a specific thing to go back to our goals together uh, that we need some help on, I think. So couple things to remember here. Number one, bad times will come, but there is always purpose and control behind them, right? I want you to remember that from these three chapters, that bad times are guaranteed to come. Jesus promises them. Uh, There'll be times of persecution and suffering. Again, I don't want us to see the circumstances that we're in right now uh, as the equivalent of that, right? Like our government is not persecuting us as believers. Our government is not trying to restrict us as believers, I do believe that our government is operating in the the best wisdom that it has to protect. Uh, But it is a difficult time for us. There's going to be difficulty in regards to the economics of our country and how it impacts people in our church. Um, There'll be difficulty in how we adjust our work and and a lot of different variables there. Bad times are going to come and worse times are even promised to come, right? But we can trust that in the midst of any, any of those, always purpose behind it and there's always control behind it too god's always in control of those things number two prayer is a key action for handling hard and confusing times it's a key action point jesus tells his disciples to pray for this type of joy that will be unwavering in the midst of bad times and then jesus models that right jesus models that through his own time of prayer Um, and so he's not placing himself even above the need to reach out to his heavenly father when he would have been tempted. I told our fourth and fifth graders when I preached this at Trinity um, on Thursday, I told them, I said, I fully believe that Jesus was tempted to be anxious and to be troubled and to worry about the crucifixion because Hebrews tells me he was tempted just like I am in everything. And I'm tempted to worry. I'm tempted to be anxious. I'm tempted to be troubled. Um, so Jesus was tempted, but how did he not give in to sin? Because Hebrews also tells us while he was tempted, like we are, he was tempted yet without sin. Well, one of his action points was to pray as Philippians four, six, and seven tells us, pray, don't be anxious, be prayerful about everything. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will be given to us. And so let me encourage you to see bad times coming to know there's purpose and control behind them and to be prayerful about it, right? To be prayerful about it. Don't even be so um, confident in your faith that you've learned enough in John to not have to pray in the midst of what we're dealing with right now. Don't be, don't be the, the one who overestimates his faith and says, you know what? I can plow forward with this week. I don't need to pray about it. I trust God, right? Be prayerful because Jesus tells us to be prayerful. Be prayerful Uh, as a key action for handling hard and confusing times. Number three, faith failures will come, but they don't have to define us, right? Um, We see in these three chapters, uh, Judas is going to 
deny him and betray him. Peter is going to deny him. But those things don't have to define us, right? When we think about Peter, we, we know that there's far greater things about Peter than this time of denial. Um, we know that Jesus even anticipated his denial. And Jesus even tells him, when you come back, because I've prayed for you. Satan wants to sift you. I've prayed for you that we won't lose you. When you bounce back from this, be ready to be used, right? Strengthen your brothers. Um, so some of us may fail this week. Some of us may have moments of frustration, anger, worry, and we're going to have to confess those. Um, but don't let it define you. Know that faith failures will come, but they don't have to define us, that God's ready to forgive. And then number four, unity is a great way to show the world that the gospel is powerful. Unity is a great way to show the world that the gospel is powerful, right? When we are willing to forgive others who wrong us, when we are willing to go tell somebody that they have wronged us, so that they even have the opportunity to confess that, to be forgiven, we show the world that the gospel is powerful, right? That we don't hold grudges. We show the gospel is powerful by the way we unite with other people who aren't like us. Uh, you know, a lot of differences within our church. We can be unified in spite of those differences. A, a lot of differences in even how we're filtering the, the circumstances right now. We can be united if we choose to, and it shows the gospel's power when we take steps to be unified. Um, and then we can be unified with other churches in this area too. Um, and we'll come back to that point again as our closing point. What should we do? Right? These are things to remember. So looking back at those things to remember, bad times will come. Purpose and control behind them. Prayer is a key action. Faith failures will come. They don't have to define us. Unity is a great way to show the gospel is powerful. What do we do? Be ready to pause and reflect before reacting to circumstances so that glory can be given. Right? Be ready to pause and reflect about your circumstances so that you can properly celebrate God's goodness, so that you don't react in a way that you end up having to confess later. Pause, think, reflect, make sure you're trusting God, make sure you're turning to him quickly so that you can give him great glory. Um, it, it's a good discipline to be in the habit of pausing and reflecting. I tell our teachers all the time, you get an antagonistic email that incites emotions within you, please don't email that parent back right now, right? Please wait. Pause, reflect, choose your words carefully, right? Respond to your circumstances in a way that God's goodness shines through. Number two, be ready to pray as an outlet for expressing confusion and trust, right? You read through the Psalms and you see varying responses from those who write. Uh, there's times where there is confusion that's coming through, um, frustration, discontentment even maybe, right? But in the midst of praying to the one who can fix it, you also see the psalmist come back to this attitude and level of trust and assurance, right? Too often times in this world, we are guilty of going to people to express our frustrations, and it's people that can't fix the situation, right? I tell my teachers all the time, if you're frustrated with something that I've done, please don't talk about it amongst yourselves. Just come talk to me about it, right? My door is always open. Come talk to me and share with me because I'm the one that can fix it, not your coworker right? Um, the same is true in, in this situation where we're saying, look, prayer is an outlet for us to come to God and say, God, I'm confused. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I don't understand. And that's the right place to be expressing those things. You do that towards a lost person, we diminish the gospel. You do that towards a believer, you potentially discourage them in their own faith. Run to God with those confusions. 
and then use it as an outlet to come back around to the idea of trusting him, right? Be ready to pray. Number three, be ready to accept God's grace when you need it. Um, we, we said this all the way back when the woman got, was, was uh, brought to Jesus for stoning, right? Don't be the individual who keeps trying to stone yourself when Jesus has already moved past it. Um, Peter denies him, yes, but Jesus was already ready to move past it before he'd even done it, right? He told Peter, you're going to do this, but I've already got plans for you after you do it. Don't be the individual who's prone to beat yourself up when you fail in your faith. Recognize it, confess it, turn back to him and trust and move forward from it. And then number four, be ready to forgive and pursue forgiveness with others as a regular part of life. Not for one week as an application to a sermon that you hear from me, not as application for the time of reflection that we have right now because our country is slowing down. Make this a regular part of life moving forward. Um, make this a regular way to now operate where you look to forgive, you look for ways to create unity versus being a source of disunity, both individually within this church, at your place of work. Uh, you know, we talked about being the type of person who does the job that nobody else wants to do, right? Be the person who creates unity when there's opportunity for disunity. Be the person who pushes for unity, who fights for unity, who's willing to, to labor for unity if necessary. Be that type of person. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything else before I close this out. I had one more thought that I wanted to share. I guess we're still trucking along. Otherwise, I've, I've preached to myself a lot, which is good, too. Okay, we're going to have a song to listen to um, if you want to stick around for that. Um, it's kind of a closing thing. Um, but just to kind of give you a, a couple of pieces of update, um, we're going we're gonna to be slow to make decisions probably about how this affects our church moving forward because we don't want to, to be bouncing around with our decision making. Um, you know, I, I told you earlier, I think this is a great chance for us to stay connected, um, but to be creative in that connection and to be sensitive to each other in how we connect, right? So there's going to be some in our church that are comfortable with getting together and, and meeting and having fellowship in person. Others that aren't going to be. And I, and I want us to, to be unified in respecting each other's differences in how we approach some of this. Um, you know, we've, we've got different people in our church who have different immune systems, and we just need to be sensitive to that fact and, and not and not be cavalier with it. Um, but there's going to be people who are comfortable meeting, and I don't want to discourage that either. Until our government says otherwise, I think that that, that should still be encouraged where it's appropriate and where, where people are comfortable. So um, some of you may gather today for lunch or for dinner, um, and I don't want you to see that as, as in defiance of what we did today, right? We're, what we're doing today is in response to what we believe to be obedient submission to our government that we're minimizing large group gatherings. Um, but don't think that you have to be together in person to connect, right? We've seen today there's ways for us to connect digitally. Um, there are tools and resources, applications that we can use to connect with each other. Don't isolate yourself so much that you ignore the fact that you can connect with each other without being together in person, right? So we'll update you. Um, I, you know, I don't know, I don't know what C group looks like for Wednesday. Um, more than likely we're going to have to make adjustments to that. I don't know what next Sunday looks like. Um, again, I'm thankful for a council of wisdom that comes from other pastors that, that we can call upon and say, hey, how are you doing it? Um, and we can try to um, 
shape our church in accordance with that where we want to. Um, the other piece that I want to leave you with is that uh, I do think that there potentially are going to be some great ways for us to serve our community that's being directly affected by this. And I'm going to confess to you, I don't know all those opportunities. Um, and so what I want to encourage you to do is as you become aware of those opportunities to make us aware of them, right? Um, I'd love for there to even be some feedback about, you know, maybe it's one of our other elders. Maybe it's uh, somebody who knows that they've got some extra time. I know for me, I, I'm not going to have the time to filter everything. So not only do we need ideas or opportunities given to us, we also need somebody who says, you know what, I'm going to sift through all these opportunities and figure out the ones that Sovereign Hope can best partner with to meet some of those needs, right? Like I know there's going to be uh, opportunities maybe with bridging the gap. I know there's some stuff going on in Sonoy because one of the big effects right now are those kids in school that normally have food provided for them, low-income families that oftentimes rely on school for having a meal, right? And that's cut off right now. And so there's several organizations that are looking at providing that type of food resource for these kids. I'd love for our church to be a part of that. Um, again, I confess I don't have all those connections. Some of you do. Some of you are already aware of them. I would encourage you to reach out to us and share those on the realm. What I'd love to do is for us to be able to, to do some of that individually if you choose to, but I'd love for us to have some group effort in that too. But again, that's going to take somebody who says, I'll sift through all these things and help identify the ones that we can best partner with. And so um, I'd love to have somebody pray and say, you know what, I'd be willing to be that person that will, will take on the responsibility of sifting through all these opportunities. Um, I mentioned the kid piece. There may be others in our community, elderly in our community, that can't or it's unwise to go to the grocery store. Um, and maybe they're just uncomfortable with it right now because of what they're hearing in the community. I know we had some of our guys yesterday that had a chance to serve um, an elderly widow in Alex's neighborhood yesterday. There may be more opportunities for that. And again, we want to know about them so that we can help meet them. And it may be us just coming alongside another church that's already sifting through everything. Um, I know the gathering church uh, here in Sonoy is already looking for opportunities and creating opportunities for their people. Again, this is a chance for us to put aside theological differences and to say, you know what, we're just going to partner together and meet needs in our community and be a beacon of hope uh, during this, this situation. And so um, would love for us to, to take advantage of this, right? Because we're, we're praying about ways to serve our community. How can we partner with our community? Um, and there may be some temporary things that we get to do in the next couple of weeks that God provides for us because of this situation. So we welcome that. I know some of you have already even reached out and told us some things. Please do that. Please make that a formal presentation to us on the realm where you say, hey, I'm aware of this situation. I'm aware of this opportunity. What can we do to help and then for somebody to say, you know what, I'd be willing to sift through that. You know, Daniel stepped forward and said, hey, I'd be willing to, to sift through all the updates of our missions people, consolidate that, and make that known, right? We could easily get one of the elders to do this, um, but this is an opportunity, I think, for somebody in our church to say, you know what, I'd love to do that right now. It's a temporary commitment, but we'd love for somebody to maybe step up and do that too. Um, just because I know there's going to be a lot of opportunities, and we've even talked in our church, there may be opportunities even within our church where we may need to help each other out. So um, make those opportunities aware uh, to us. And then if we could get one person that would help partner with us to sift through some of that, that would be super helpful too. Um, anything else you guys want to share, add? 
Um, so we'll, we'll keep you guys updated on, on how things are progressing and what we're planning to do as a church. Um, appreciate all the flexibility and all the support um, for not meeting today, um, but being able to connect this way. Thank you for those that uh, worked hard to make sure that this was possible. Um, thank you for those that took time at home to be a part of this too. Um, encourage you again to stay connected during this week. Um, this, is, this is a temporary thing. Um, gathering together is so important as Christians. Um, but I'm thankful again that we can do that uh, through technology uh, for the time being to help make sure that we stay connected. But let me encourage you to stay connected individually too um, with people within our church. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the time to be in your word. Um, God, it's a good reminder to us that uh, we have nothing to fear. Um, God, we're thankful that you've given us ways to protect ourselves. You've given us ways to ready the horse for battle. Um, but Lord, we're thankful that, that the victory doesn't lie in our preparations. It doesn't lie in our uh, timeliness to wash our hands. It doesn't lie in, in these things that we do. It, it's ultimately tied in you. And we thank you for the fact that you give us every reason to trust you, every reason to be without uh, anxiety and without trouble during this time. Um, Father, I pray that you'd give us wisdom in knowing how to stay connected with each other. God, help us to realize that while some of us have spouses and kids that are going to keep us busy, there's others in our church that don't have connection in their home. And God, help us to be mindful of reaching out to them and helping them stay connected and giving them meaningful fellowship and conversation. Uh, in the midst of uh, some of the social distancing that we've been asked to do. Um, God, help us to keep each other encouraged from a distance uh, when we have to. Um, God, give us wisdom and direction for this week. Um, rarely do I say and really mean it that a week is uh, completely wide open for what, what's going to happen. Uh, a lot of times, God, I've made plans, and a lot of times those plans come to fruition. But this is a week where I'm, I'm being very slow to make plans because I have no idea what you have in store for us this week. But I'm thankful that there is purpose and control behind it. And God, help, it that, help that to reassure us uh, when we're tempted to be anxious. And God, when we're tempted to be anxious, drive us to our knees to pray to you. Help us to take our frustrations and our worries and our anger and our confusion to the source that can fix it. Um, we thank you that you are that source. We thank you that you have sent Jesus to be obedient for us, to die for us, to, to give us that, that, that connection to you. We thank you for our salvation. And God, I pray that in the midst of what we're dealing with right now, that that salvation would, would shine brightly in us and to others, that the gospel would go forth. Give us wisdom in knowing how to be a, a, a haven of hope for this community. Help us to, to be the hands and feet of you where we can be to help come alongside others that are going to need assistance right now during this time. And uh, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. We trust that you've been encouraged by the word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.sovhope.org. Again, that's www.sovhope.org.